You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Uh, hey, everybody, you're listening to Sports Nerds. Uh, Brian and I were having a conversation before we started this episode, and I just want to finish it now. I want to finish the story. Tell Brian the story. There's a couple things. So we were talking about finals week and the fact that both of us are almost there as college professors. That's pretty important. So when I was at Iowa, I think it was my junior year, senior year, um, yeah, finals week was like my favorite week of the year because I just partied and nobody else did. And not to say I sound like a real frat guy there, didn't I? I just, I just partied. partied Whoa, partied hard, man. Jungle juice. Uh, but I went to the sports column in Iowa city because they had like 50 cent pitchers or something. And then there was nobody there. <laughs> I except spit laughing at 50 cent pitchers. That's so 2003. <laughs> yeah. There was one person at the bar and it was Ashton Kutcher. And I had a beer with Ashton Kutcher. True story. Why is Ashton Kutcher at the sports column in Des Moines, Iowa? No, Iowa City. Iowa City. Uh, because he's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's from uh, Clear Creek. Is it Clear Creek? No, Tiffin. Is that guy Tiffin's the name of that? doing stuff? Yeah, he's on um, Shark Tank now. He's like a big investor. He does all the investment stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he's, he's a VC now. Really enjoyed him as a stoner on that 70s show. Uh, and what was that movie he made with uh, the guy from Stif- with Stifler? William Scott or whatever was Stifler. <laughs> You'd wear my car. Uh, I actually liked the you movie he made with, with 50 Cent Beer at Fred parties in the early 2000s and Ashton Kutcher references. <laughs> not, not really for the, the, the young, young, younger and millennial audience, I guess. No, we're not. I think uh, we're, really, we're really pandering to our, our 32 to 38 demographic, aren't we? Have you ever watched The League, that mm-hmm. fantasy football show? Yeah, I rewatched the first couple of episodes in the first season a couple days ago, and in the in the early early part of the first season, one of the guys gets divorced, and the other guy's making fun of him. He's like, "You can't, you don't know how to go hit on women or get dates anymore. Like, what are you gonna do?" He's like, "I'll reenact it for you. Like, you walk up to a girl at the bar, and you're like, hey, you want to go to a Counting Crows concert? Who's (laughs) Counting Crows? Like, that's exactly how you sound right now." That's hold on. There's that class across the way. Oh, are they, are they hearing my? I, I don't know. We're gonna see. I hope not. Matt, can you hear me? <laughs> nope. Okay, we should be good. Can is you hear me? A story that has been shared on the wow. sports group yet? That sometimes uh, the classroom can hear us recording. No, that's if, if folks, if you have no idea what we're talking about, I record in a studio at MSU Denver and this studio is shared with a classroom and sometimes the classroom can hear what Brian and I are saying. And sometimes what Brian and I say, if you listen to, listen to the show long enough is not appropriate. So classroom um, appropriate. Nope. Nope. And I'm a, I'm the professor of a lot of these students. So they're seeing a side of me that nobody other than you, my kids and uh, uh, my wife see. So. Actually, not even them. Mostly just you and you and your brother. So, uh, I guess there's that. There's the Ashton Kutcher Kutcher story. Let's keep let's keep rolling here. Um, it's like folks. saying Worcestershire sauce, and no one pronounces it the same. <laughs> 
Follow us, everybody. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are uh, sports.nerds or at, at underscore sports nerds or sports nerds. You can find us. You'll, our, you'll see our floating heads uh, around there somewhere. Um, they're hard. It's hard to miss us. So we'd love to have you follow us, patronize us, if you will, um, in the best way possible on those, on those platforms. We're also on the YouTube. Uh, a lot of viewers out there. So shout out to those who watch our, our stuff after we record. So there's our social media plug. Of course, if you listen to the podcast, as opposed to just watching the video, uh, we'd love to have a, a, a rating from you. It would be much, much appreciated. You can leave one of those ratings on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you do listen via Anchor, so anchor.fm slash sports nerds, uh, leave us a rating. And if you wanted to throw us a dollar or two, that would be awesome. Uh, we're taking donations. I know that sounds weird right now. We're not one to ask for handouts. But uh, as we've said before on the show, Brian, those koozies are not free uh okay so there's that let me see oh. on that like giving tuesday or whatever yesterday was oh shit man i think you're supposed to give to like habitat for humanity not to college professors that do a podcast i don't know maybe it's i'm wrong like a rule or more like a custom hmm. which part which what the, who you're supposed to give to to yeah. whom um totally unrelated did you see that like couple that last year faked like uh, a homeless guy gave him twenty dollars when they ran out of gas yes and they raised like half a million dollars and then you they found out that they were just like gambling addicts who concocted this scheme yep that's why no one's going to give us a dollar i know because it's we've proven ourselves over the last two and a half years to be nothing but scam artists so i don't have the the savvy to be a scam artist i can't even lie to like my kids and they're extremely gullible but um all right here's another side story i used to always joke that it would be really funny during like a sporting event to just go stand with an orange vest next to a parking lot and take $20 from people until it was full <laughs> and then bounce. That's amazing. Right? Actually. And then a hobo did it to me, a well-dressed hobo in Denver did that to me. Is it okay to say hobo? I don't know. Is that is that uh, politically correct? I don't I, I like did he have a, one of those sacks, like a stick and a sack? That's actually called a bindle staff. A bindle staff. I just I think of the Janis Joplin or Chris Christopherson song. I'm going to play play pulled my heart on uh, words with friends. Yeah, excuse me. So I'm going to play bindle staff on words with friends. Bindle staff. Okay, so there's we're we're checking off our boxes of must need uh ground must must ground we have to cover. Uh, the surprise that I have for you, my friend, is um, your brother and I are uh, collaborating with Tivoli Brewing Company to basically start a brewing business podcast. Uh, Tivoli is going to support everything. It's going to be co-sponsored by the MSU Denver Department of Communications. Wow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to start. It's going to roll out uh, first of the year. So Jay and I have been trying to secure some guests uh, in order to kind of have some intelligent conversations about the business of brewing and craft brewing in particular. So I reached out to Eno Saris yesterday, the uh, the the comment, the baseball commentator. He's a sabermetrician, much like you and I are. Very, very popular fella on, on the Twitter. Uh, very well known in the kind of advanced analytic uh, circle. And Eno is an avid beer drinker and he will be joining the show not us not us not this show not this show but we're going to air that show air that interview as part of sports nerds uh in the next hopefully five to six weeks so looking forward to having eno on there and i'm just going to tell you now because i'm really bad at keeping secrets it was suggested i reach out to kevin Euclidus to do the same oh. yeah because the uke has his own uh brewing brewery 
in California. I want to be a guest on that one. I know you do. So if that happens. If you have the Greek god of walks on a podcast and I'm not invited. And now I want to ask you, what have you done for me? Exactly. Okay. All right. Steve, uh, I have every personal electronic I own up right now to record mm-hmm. this damn thing. So I did that. Thank you. In but my did your shift studio? Did your administrative assistant help you out? Uh, we don't. Have, we don't have one anymore. I know. I know. You told me. Um, okay. Moving on. Before we lose uh, Telly, um, somebody coming in here. What is that sound? See, if you're watching the video, you understand that I basically look like I'm in a closet. Um, this episode of Haunted on this Recording uh, Videos. Uh, the good news is I don't have to change the the color scheme of our logo because Michigan didn't win last weekend. Hey, hey, hey there we go. Well, we texted on and off. Uh, that was uh, a fun, fun game, wasn't it? What are your thoughts? You okay? You recovered? Um yeah, I, I don't. I don't have anything good to say. I mean, defense looked terrible, which is weird because they usually look good. Uh, some 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 crazy mistakes: the block punt for a touchdown, and then the interception inside. You know, your own ten for a touchdown really kind of shifted the momentum. It seemed like uh, you know, nearing halftime, it was going to be a game, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it wasn't a game. I wonder. Here's, here's, here's my feeling. Here's my feeling. Once again, we got the college, the 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 rankings, the the pre conference championship rankings. Which are these from the the college playoff people? These these most recent ones, they are right. The ones that came the ones that came out last night. Yeah. Yes. They used to they used to come out with their rankings like at week five, so they've stopped now. Now the college playoff rankings come out before the conference championships, and then the final rankings. So they only do two versions now. Is that mm-hmm. correct? That's correct. They came out. They came out yesterday. They came out Monday, right? It it seems to me that this field would be such a great 18 playoff. And I'm not arguing this just as a, as a Michigan fan that would like to see Michigan get in, but the other team that seems to be on the outside looking in, in classic NCAA thumbing their noses at, at, at non non mainstream conferences is UCF, right? Un, un, undefeated UCF comes into this ranked eight. Is that right? I think they're up to seven now. But yeah. it's basically impossible for them to make it in the playoff. So if Alabama beats Georgia in the conference championship game, if Texas beats Oklahoma, and if Northwestern beats uh, Ohio State, undefeated, and UCF beats whoever they're playing, Memphis, mm-hmm. they'll be on the outside looking and they'd still be five. The thing about UCF, though, they lost their quarterback last weekend. Um like their their stud quarterback, so we're kind of in a weird position about how you should evaluate these rankings. But I think conventional wisdom says you have to do it based on their resume, not based on personnel. You're right; okay. they're not going to have the same product on the field, but that's still unfair, right? Yeah, there's a couple of thoughts that it's I have about that. for beating a ranked Memphis team. That team to deserves to be in a playoff. Maybe doesn't deserve to be in a 14 playoff, but maybe we should have an 18 playoff. I want to comment on this. Uh, I agree. I think that there needs to be expansion, but uh, we're going to jump into a story about the NCAA here in just a minute. And so I, I want that as a fan. I want that eight team uh, uh, playoff, but I really, really feel bad for the players, right? Quite honestly. I mean, that means, well, it's going to be done for money, right? It's going to be, it's going to be done for money. It's going to be done in order for, 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 um, you know, sponsors to make money, these bull sponsors to make money. Um, 
fans are going to love it. Obviously, we're going to pour money into it. But what is going to be the cost to these student athletes? I wonder. That's that's the only issue, right? Like you're going to have to cut down on on your regular season play. Then you're going to have to either uh, eliminate non-conference games or you know shave your conference schedule a little bit. I don't know. Something's going to have to happen. You can't really expect. Uh, you can't expect like or just get rid of conference to- championships. Yeah, or get rid of conference championship, but I don't know how that would work either, right? Like, they kind of have the 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 Big Twelve has kind of been required to create a conference championship game uh, out of out of nowhere, despite they only have what eight, ten teams. What do they have? Anyhow, yeah, they got to do something. Sorry, I'm a little self conscious about this classroom hearing me. Um, I don't, I don't <laughs> think. Are they looking at you? No, I guess they can't. I'm just loud. You know me. I'm loud. I, uh, why do you think they can't play another game? Uh, I mean, because they're not getting paid for it. People make yeah. it. So this is the problem is that people make this argument both ways, right? On the one hand, they want to say, hey, they're student athletes and the expectations and, and, and time pressures and all that are totally unreasonable because they can't, they can't go to class and focus on their studies and all that stuff. And then on the other side, they make the same argument that they should be paid because they spend all this time on uh, their athletics and they couldn't possibly go get a, a job. Both of those things can't be true at once, right? Either you expect them to be students or you expect them to be to be athletes compensated in whatever way they are. I'm not arguing that they shouldn't be compensated, but they are in a way compensated now. Are they student athletes or not? I know. Are you asking me or is that a rhetorical question? Well, I'm saying that adding does, is adding one more game break the is it the straw that breaks the camel's back for you? Is that the the where you draw the line? in the, uh, the, the commodification of, of college athletes. It just makes me feel a little bit more uneasy as a fan. How about that? I mean, I struggle enough, as you know, with kind of squaring the circle of fandom. Sure. Bra- bracketing the conversation about whether or not college athletes are treated fairly. Logistically, adding another game is not a problem because college football is going to end this weekend, basically, and we're not going to have a national championship game until January, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's functionally a month off. You could have three games if you wanted to. And by the way, they're missing school all the time. If, if the argument is missing school, they're missing school all the time to travel for regular season games that are during the semester. Are playing games in December once school's over during Christmas break. They're not even supposed to be in school at that point. I don't know. No, I mean, it's funny that we're talking about football because uh, I think, I don't know if all the conferences have done this, but the Big Ten has changed basketball schedules. And so now you actually play conference games, a few of them at the beginning of December, uh, end of November uh, in the Big Ten. And so, like, what does that do to finals week for for those kinds of student athletes? I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's fucked up, to be quite honest. Um, it's been obviously in our first uh, uh, topic that we're going to cover. Um, I was thinking a lot about this this week. Um, something, it's a story that came out in October. Uh, you know, it, it spent a little bit of time in rotation, basically, uh, uh Kansas, uh, players, Adidas, um, there was some pay for play going on basketball, uh, with the basketball team. Um, the big, the big component of this is that, uh, Bill Self, uh, some tweets that he had sent to Adidas representatives basically allude to the fact that he, that he knew that, that these uh, transactions were happening. Um, I wanted to talk to you about it, Brian, because uh, there was a few questions I wanted to ask, particularly like, why is, why has this not garnered more attention? Um, but also, you know, you can keep going on your rant here, your hatred of the NCAA, because you and I are definitely in the same boat. 
like what what is what are we coming to what 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 is happening and why aren't we more concerned with uh with how these student athletes are are treated because uh you know as much as we can say oh you know they're getting a free education or oh you know they're not even there to go to school and all that BS. I think we can make the argument that if you look at all the Division One uh, college football and college basketball players, right, which make up obviously the bulk uh, of the money-making uh, entities that are that are related to NCAA sports, um, the, the the vast majority of those of those athletes are not going to play professionally, right? They are there to get an education. They are focused on their grades, and so um, I. I I, to me, that argument doesn't work for me. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, go ahead. The floor is yours. No, I mean, you're right. There's there's a definite crossing of streams that's hard to, it's hard to, uh, as you said before, square the purple, right? Like, like a sword fight? <laughs> exactly. It's, it, I don't I don't know how to have a conversation about if we should have a, a team college playoff without discussing, like you rightly brought up, whether or not college athletes are being, um, you know, kind of exploited or, 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 or taking advantage of. It's hard to have conversations about, you know, when conference play should start in the Big Ten uh, relative finals week. Uh, if if we really think that student athletes are, are supposed to be student athletes, it's it's a paradox and a contradiction that is it is it, it, it it's a it's a known secret right it's a it's a it's a joke like the ncaa pretends like they they care about the student athlete right and i'll be honest i sort of bought the line for a little bit like when you think about it division two and division three and all this other stuff the majority of athletes are not d1 football and basketball players from from premier programs most of them aren't going to go pro like you mentioned but that doesn't mean that that extreme minority that does go pro are the ones who are generating the bulk of the revenue right it comes from football it comes from basketball it comes from march madness and all of that stuff and i I guess it's just you know uh, one of these things that people are willing to you know, we had we had Dr. Dan Lair on the podcast, and he said ideology that 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 uh, 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 Slava Zizek definition of ideology is like when you know something's fucked up, but you that you do it anyways, right? You continue to do the exact same thing. I think that's how everybody sort of uh, continues to to participate in in college athletics, right? I, I, from a viewer, from a consumer perspective, that we're willing to say, yeah, it's unfair, yeah, there's something something weird going on, but we're willing to participate anyways. And you're right. This is a story that I honestly hadn't even heard this Bill, Bill Self thing until you emailed me this link. And it's it's bananas, right? We're talking about people from Adidas who faced criminal charges for for uh, the the way they were, I guess, spending money under the table to get to get high school athletes to to commit to um to college basketball programs and and these text messages seem to point out that a, you know the Kansas basketball was fully aware that this was happening and and was a willing participant in it right i, I mean yeah the text messages also seem to paint a picture of this is absolutely how it works that it was not an aberration. It was not the exception to the rule that it's just the way it went, that if you want to get premier players at your programs, that it's all about having Adidas build you a $200 million stadium and, and funnel money under the table to premier players to get them to commit, right? The text messages that show not only players who they managed to get to go to Kansas by giving them money under the table, but also joking about players that they couldn't get to commit to Kansas because they wouldn't accept the money or wouldn't take enough money. It's, it's ambiguous there. What do you think um, the responsibility or or the blame uh, should be regarding coaches and administrators in these stories? Because, and the reason why I ask is, I there was an article that a really short piece that Howard Bryant wrote for the most recent uh, issue of ESPN the magazine, 
And he had, there was some quote in there from Jim Beheim saying that, you know, we're not benefiting from this. There's not any money that are, co- that extra money that's coming to the coaches. And he talked, you know, Bryant talks about the hypocrisy of Beheim saying that a guy who makes over $2 million a year, uh, right, who, with players who make none. Um, but I, I guess I'm, I'm quite more when his team does well, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Get the longer contract or gets your contract extended. Yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, academically, I'm extremely intrigued by how these stories get framed in ways that basically shift the vast majority of the blame away from administrators for sure. And in a lot of cases, coaches, I mean, these, 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 or students who take the money. Right, right, right. Uh, um, um, it's, it's sorry, you, you, you're saying towards students who take the money. I said sometimes the blame gets shifted towards the students. Oh, it does. Right. I mean, I think the salaciousness think, of think it. Think about Reggie Bush at USC, right? When yeah. we found out that a booster club gave him, him and his family a bunch of money, the blame was on them. Mm-hmm. No, I right? mean, oh, it totally. You know, this story. Story. No, no. Even now when we talk about that story and we think about it and the coverage that it gets, like the Pete Carroll is not, he's not and has never been. Uh, uh, under the microscope for this, he suffered none of the penalties, right? The USC, the the, the future players, the, the the players and coaches that came afterwards suffered the penalties for that, right? Reggie Bush did, got his Heisman taken away. Pete Carroll skipped off to Seattle and won a Super Bowl. I don't think. I mean, I don't know if I'm. Oh, fuck it, right? We can say yeah. this. Um, we can do this even if I get fired from Metro. Don't, um, do don't, don't, don't say that. No, it's just, it's just. You know, I, I I've been in Tivoli, uh, you know, doing work, getting a beer while while the coaches are in there, uh, you know, um, talking without players, and I've I've just overheard as a fly on the wall interviews uh, between the head coach and the assistant coach, uh, would be assistant coach, and and obviously the the um, data set that I have for for. Uh, these relationships or this communication is minor, but um, I would I, I don't think that the focus for for a lot of these folks is 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 on the player. And I'm not saying that's always the case. And I'm not saying that's the case at Metro whatsoever. But if I'm a Division One coach in particular, and I know that I'm in a place like well, you know, if I'm Shashevsky or uh, Beheim or I'm Bill Self, that half my roster is going to leave after a year or two. Uh, I would make the argument that that their investment in players uh, is not necessarily at the personal level. They are not concerned with building up uh, the integrity or the uh, uh, the the professional appropriateness of of these student athletes. They're there to win, and I kind of get that, right? That's why they're paid, but. My issue is that's a fucked up system in which the kids are going to get taken advantage of. That's a major, major flaw. That's a major, major problem. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, this, the, I've made this point on this podcast ad nauseum at this point hundreds of times. It, it, it feels like it, they, they, we need to stop straddling the line, right? Like treat college athletics as a, 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 an ancillary thing, a, a, an appendage to, to, to college programs. Like we could be like colleges are colleges and they also have pro sports teams attached to them that are, you know, at a intermediary level between amateur and professional or something like that. Or you need to, to, to jettison college sports altogether. Maybe those aren't really the two options. Maybe it's jettison college sports altogether or make them not professional, but at least recognize that they are semi-professional sports entities, not you know, the, these, these small scale, uh, facsimiles of, of professional organizations at a very, very high level though, Brian, like at a, at a, I wouldn't say ideological level, but almost a phil, phil, philosophical level, um, theoretical level, 
we as a country, but also as a capitalistic society, don't have the the capacity to to think about the NCAA and those relationships in ways that could benefit players, in my opinion, right? Like if you were to have some sort of profit sharing, if you were to actually sit down and spend years, hire some economists, spend years to create a system in which that were to happen, uh, I think people's heads would explode. I really, really do. I'm anxious to have John Solo on here, actually, that, you know, the, the University of Iowa economist, because um, he does a lot of, of research on salaries in Major League Baseball. And perhaps this is something we should ask him, because uh, I just don't, I, I don't think, like, in terms of, like, you know, you, you and I being Foucauldians, right? The, the, the language that we use to make sense of our realities uh, or in the practices that, that we use that are informed by that, by that language uh, can, can kind of make us narrow-minded. It can limit the, po the potential uh, to think outside of the system, to the, the discursive system in this, in this case, right, the system of, of language and, and action. And so I, I just don't think we're capable of doing it. I think it might work in other places around the world. I really, really do. I mean, Think about how I understand that there are issues with soccer in other parts of the world. But if you think about how soccer players are treated and the power that they have uh, in places in Europe, um, you know, there's something to be learned, but I don't think we have the capacity here. It's, it's so hard for us to think outside of that. I don't even say I don't even want to say it's capitalism, right? It's a neoliberal kind of economic system. I think it's almost impossible for for decision makers to think outside of that. We, you and I can talk about this as academics. We can sound smart. Um, but I think it's almost impossible if I'm a, if I'm a college administrator or if I'm, you know, the head of the NCAA, um, to, to think and to invest time in changing the system. But I mean, we're going to continue having this fucking conversation for years, Brian. That's what upsets me. Well, no, but that's the problem deep down is that like, you can think about players being taken advantage of, but I think that there's probably also individual schools that are, that are taken advantage of as well. Right. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. If you go to a school in the big 10 and say, you know, go someplace else and try and get as much money as you do from being a member school of the Big Ten. It, it'd be hard, it'd be hard pressed to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you're getting money from the Big Ten, but that doesn't mean that you're getting your fair share of what you put into it, right? The Big Ten could be making more money than you. The uh, the um, uh, NCAA could be making more money, right? There's still there's money walking out the door, but because it's the best the be the best opportunity around, the best the you know the that's a really the only option that you have what what else are you going to do right and it's so it, it it's also easy to like envision sports as this thing that's sort of stuck on the outside of schools but that's not really how it works right it's really intricately woven into the fabric of universities and we've talked about this on the podcast before that people have an image of what a college and a, a, a looks like when they apply to it they want to go lots of people want to go to big state school programs that have a full slate of of sports even if you're not an athlete because it means that you can be part of that fan culture or you can go and watch those games or you can be an alum who associates with the with with those teams and and that sort of stuff so from the perspective of recruiting and and uh, fundraising from an alumni base a lot of that is is tied up with sports so it's it's not an option to not do those things for a lot of universities. It's not as simple as saying, "Fine, we just won't have sports." I think my video. No, you're good. I can. Oh yeah, it's 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 fine. I can hear you. Your audio though is just great. So uh, Brian's audio or his yeah his video uh, stopped there for a second. But um, I, while you're getting reconnected, um, I was I was thinking about um, the fact that that 
the actual student athletes are not even given given a seat at the table for this. And I think that's that's really a major issue. Um, there are no representatives uh, at most universities for student athletes to even have conversations um, about how they are governed or the power that they have in relation to to um, the money that's made on their backs. And I think that like that's maybe that is is one way to uh, to to improve the situation. Um, is to, you know, have them join the conversation, um, have them um, able to 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 share uh, their perspective and to share, uh, you know, what they think is wrong or right with the entire system. But but as mentioned, right, that's that's certainly not possible. Uh, You've already made this point, though. Or do you think that the majority of student athletes, and I, I don't mean to to talk down, that's not what I'm, my intention here, are, are equipped to to go into those conversations? ready to advance a, a particular agenda as individuals. I mean, I'm, 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 again, I'm not talking shit. If I was 18 or 19 years old and you were like, go, you know, go represent your interests to your school or to your conference or to the NCAA, I think that's a fight that you're sort of set up to lose. I think that, um, I, I can you see me? Yep. I, you're good. You're back. Um, can you say that one more time? Uh, yeah, no, I just like, if, 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 is it, is it fair? I mean, I agree that students should have the opportunity to, to represent their interests, but I'm just not sure that that is both necessary and sufficient to, to create any level of, of meaningful change. I don't think that the majority of, uh, particularly individual students are, uh, an, an individual student or, uh, that individual students are able to advocate for their, for their position or their cause or their rights or wh- whatever to a university or to a conference or to um, the NCAA, if only by virtue that of no, uh, having less systemic power. No, wait, no, wait, no, wait. Okay. You work with very intelligent students. And again, right? my, point, my point is not that they're not intelligent. My point is different than that. It's But you don't think – wait, wait, wait. Systemic right. power disadvantage. Okay, sure, right? But, I mean, I, I – dude, there are students here on this campus who have uh, – that are willing to kind of go to battle with board of regents, regents members, board of trustee members, right? They, they, they're student leaders in a lot of ways, right? They're the future politicians or future community leaders. I have a hard time thinking that there are not, um, amongst the huge pool of, of, of division one athletes that, that are at power five universities, but really any division one university, um, men and women alike, uh, who, who would be able to represent, uh, represent the student athlete body, uh, in ways that, uh, would compel, you know, other, other administrators or leadership to kind of have to hear them. I think that's like, dude, that's, 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 it's not even, how, how can we know if they wouldn't be successful because they're not even given the opportunity? No, I, I agree. I agree with you. I'm not saying don't do it because they wouldn't be successful. I'm saying that is, is not, I wouldn't view that as the sole way to combat what we see as a deeply ingrained problem with college athletics. Okay. Okay. Right. Here's a group of students that get to go. In fact, I think there's a chance that what that looks like is a, a sort of token gesture on the part of the, the the folks that have their levers on the hands of power. Right. Yeah. We talked to 10 athletes and uh, we convinced them that we were right. You know, or we talked to 10 athletes and we heard what they had to say and they made a really good case, but we're going to do whatever the fuck we we're going to do anyways. And that's what I think it would look like, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of lawyers from the NCAA on one side of a conference room table with, you know, a bunch of uh, yeah. D2 soccer players from, you know, Chadron State or something. Actually, yeah. Chadron might be D1. No, I know. I know. I know what you're saying. Word picture. No offense to Chadron. It would just be nice to have that opportunity, right, to see how that would work. But I, we got to move on. To the you know, if you, wanted, if you want to see how it works, do it, but make it televised. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Good point. Meeting. Let's watch the NCAA explain to students why they're not, you know, exploited labor. I like that. That's cool. Let's do it. Let's find somebody that would make that happen. That's fucking sweet. Uh, next story, uh, Ruben Foster. Um, wow, this is a crazy-ass story. Uh, Ruben Foster, defensive back, right? Defensive back for uh, – he had been with the 49ers. Uh, uh, altercation. Washington football team. Yeah, altercation this weekend. Uh, charged uh, – or allegations of domestic violence with a on-again, off-again girlfriend. Um, he got cut. The 49ers cut him. And then uh, two days ago, yesterday, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, the Washington football team picked him up, gave a long-winded statement uh, legitimating or justifying why they did it. But uh, we are now here with Reuben Foster. This is his second uh, uh, char allegation, second allegation um, in the last six months. Uh, the first, I, the story on Deadspin, uh, it, you know, it kind of insinuated that it's the same girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, uh, who he, who he did, uh, uh, he was accused of beating up in May. Uh, she kind of dropped charges, but uh, now we're back to this again, right? It appears that she, he hit her through the guy likes to throw cell phones. He also threw a dog in May. So there's that, but you know, I, like I is winning everything. Yeah, I guess. Like, is it come down to that? Just, just another. Didn't I make this joke on the last podcast that that the the Washington football team, for whatever reason, is so willing to to to, em, to embrace controversy as their PR strategy, mm-hmm. right? Just to, like we'll, we'll just be a lightning rod for controversy, and we're cool with that. Because I don't, think, yet, I don't think any other team would do it. But yet they wouldn't sign Kaepernick. But yeah, but that's that's true. Well, I mean, that, yeah. Which sheds some light on our conversation from last week about why they decided not to share uh, to hire to excuse me to sign Kaepernick, right? I think uh, I had attempted to to um, give them the benefit of the doubt uh, on the situation, uh, but it would appear that now uh, I shouldn't have. <laughs> I don't know. I just can't. I can't understand this, right? I can't understand why you why why this would even. I can't understand outside of, of the of of money and winning how this is an ethical choice to make. I just don't, I don't get it. And I don't, I don't, I also don't get why we're okay with it. Yeah. No. I don't, like, that's the, like, what the fuck, man? If I'm a, like, I don't know, dude. I don't hey, know. Hey, you up. definitely shouldn't kneel during the national anthem though, because that's offensive. Mm, yeah. And hey, you know, I, I, I make, you know, in my brain, I've, I've done the same kind of as a fan, as a, in the fan brain, right? I, I let the Cubs sign, uh, you know, the, the Cubs signed uh, Araldus Chapman and I continued yeah. to, to root for him. Um, so I don't know. It just goes to show, I guess, the, the power of, of our emotional connections to our teams um, and, the, and, and the power of money, too, and winning. Yeah. No, I, 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 this guy's going to get suspended, right? I think so. Yeah. It's the, I, just trying to put my, put my brain in the same position as, as the Washington football team. Is there logic? We'll sign him on the off chance he doesn't get suspended, and if he does, we waive him and doesn't cost us anything. If if that's their logic, it it highlights the main kind of criteria that that NFL teams are using when they sign players, which it should come as no surprise that it's financial risk and reward against added value to their teams. Mm-hmm. The problem, as you just pointed out, is that there's no room inside of that logic for. Uh, PR stuff or for ethical considerations or for, you know, kind of the values that you want to, to, to represent as, um, an organization, which is weird 
which is weird because the NFL talks big about that sort of thing, about their image, because the uh, because um, uh, individual teams talk big about those same things. But it clearly, the, the only logic that I can employ that makes this decision make any sense is one that's strictly based on sort of economic value of signing a player and and the value that they add to your to your you know productivity to your product um and i think that's a problem uh, let me connect this back to a conversation we just had which is is this not the exact same logic that oh, jesus I, hold on hold on uh, wait i don't mean to cut you off apparently uh ben kilberg is just he just told me that uh r- soon after the redskins signed him he was placed on the uh exempt list so which means what that means that that's the same thing that happened to Ray Rice, right? Yeah, but that means which means you're play still play. getting paid. You're not suspended, is that right? You, you're still getting paid. He's though he's been placed on faces. Oh, okay, so he's. I guess. We'll continue. The NFL placed him on the the commissioner exempt list. Yeah, yeah. So this is the you can't play. The NFL has placed him on the you can't you can't play list. Wow. All right. Thanks, Ben, for chiming in. Oh, God, dude. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Would you want to finish that thought? Yeah. The commissioner exempt list means you can't practice or attend games, but with the club's permission, he may represent at the club's facility on a reasonable basis for meetings, individual workouts, therapy, and rehabilitation. But I think you're getting paid at the same time. Yeah, can't play, but still getting paid. That's what Kilberg says. Wow. Yeah, Fox will get paid his normal salary by Washington while he's on the exempt list. It's like having well, I wonder, I wonder if, if as a result of this, Washington then says, oh, our gamble didn't pay off or if they say this is exactly what we thought was going to happen and if it gets resolved in his favor then we've stolen a, a, a good player from another team but it's 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 it goes back to the same thing we were saying before it's the the logic is not one of image or of values or of ethics it's one strictly of of economic value um to, uh, that, that it's validated by that, that validates the strategic or tactical move that you made right mm-hmm. um what i was trying to make is is this not the same logic that that undergirds uh uh colleges that choose to um you know get in bed with d- d- division one sports or with 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 big division one conferences or the ncaa right or chooses to make college athletics uh, integral to the the fabric of their campus culture right mm-hmm. are they doing that because they say like we can make all of these arguments that are about the value of of, of athletics qua athletics right it's good because it's uh, uh breeds leadership skills and it teaches teamwork skills and it's good physical exercise right all the things like think of pe class as a kid all the reasons why you should do why you should do physical uh t- team oriented uh activities right there's all those reasons why you can do sports and and colleges can say that's why it's important for us to have athletics or they can even make culture arguments right it's good for campus culture etc but the other line of arguments that have nothing to do with sports qua sports is it's good because we make a bunch of money it's good because we can recruit well it's good because we can get a lot of money from our alumni and donors and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, right mm-hmm. like the second one right that list on the the left hand side or stage right if you're looking at me is uh uh, uh, that same logic whereby Washington says, yeah, we'll take a flyer on this team just in case he doesn't get, you know, it, it, the, the person who accused him of domestic violence backs off again and he doesn't get a suspension, in which case it was a great move for us. But it does not take into consideration all the reasons you should not sign that dude that are ethical considerations or value-based considerations. We shouldn't do this because it's the wrong fucking thing to do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I know. I know. Like, my trap there. That was that was pretty, pretty strong stuff. I... <sighs> What am I trying to say? Um, I know I, I we we've moved so far away from uh, I think sports as a tool for um, 
for for informing and molding good uh, citizens. Uh, that's no longer what it is, right? And I think you and I have talked about it at the youth sports level. Uh, there's still good things happening. Don't get me wrong whatsoever. But I think once your kids reach a certain age, the same kind of uh, reasoning or whether that's acknowledged or not, right? The same intent. How about that? Um, for a 12-year-old travel team uh, is, is, is the same, or sorry, the intent for a 12-year-old travel team that charges you $1,500 a summer so your kid can play baseball is is very much the same intent um, that we're criticizing here with the Washington football team, but also previously with with the NCAA and with the University of Kansas. So I got one last story that I wanted to get your perspective on um, before you run off to your meeting. Uh, last night, University of Iowa, 6-0, and by the way, right? Your number 14 Hawkeyes uh, beat Pitt. But uh, quite the story that has spun uh, after this is that uh, Gary Dolphin, longtime announcer for the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, football and basketball, had some comments to say uh, off mic, but the mic was not off, in which he uh, basically criticized uh, head coach Fran McCaffrey's uh, inability to recruit good players. And then the big problem, at least with me, is his criticism of of the player himself, a junior um, daily, I can't remember his first name, uh, as just kind of being a really shitty player. So did you have a chance to kind of listen to this audio? I didn't listen to the audio, but I read what he said. Yeah. Okay. What <laughs> Do you think Iowa should fire him? No. God, you no. don't? No. Okay. No. I actually, this this made me think, uh, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not like an Iowa basketball fan, so we probably read this a, a lot, a lot differently. Hey, Michigan is also six and oh, dude. So let's you know, just hold on to your uh, horses there. Hey, no, uh, they play, they play in Iowa this year. Otherwise I'd go and root against your team. Um, uh, no, my, my reaction to this is that I actually, I think it's a problem. I think this is, this is like a, a regionalized sports network problem too, that we used to watch a lot of sports on a national stage where you get something of um, a, a, an unbiased uh, announcing team, right? And instead what you get now is that, you know, all baseball teams play on their regional sports network and, uh, you know, football still, thank goodness, still nationally televised for the most part. Um, you're not, it's not like the, you know, Denver Broncos uh, announcers or whatever. Um, but I think it's a problem. Right. I, I, so here's, I'll try and be quick about this, but here's an example. I, I only want to watch the Red Sox if I can listen to, uh, if I can listen to Jerry Remy, right. Uh, when he's there, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to other announcers precisely because I don't want to hear criticism. I like the kind of hometown point of view, but is that a good thing? I know. I know. It's like a beat writer, right? For a sports team. It is. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the exact same thing. Like, w w don't you wish that this guy had said these things in, in maybe a more, with more of a public, uh, an, an eye towards a public view, a public, uh, for public consumption. Mm -hmm. If he had said, like, what what you get from home, uh, dude, the, the Bill Hanslick and, and uh, who's the other guy who announces for the Denver Nuggets? Hanslick, not there anymore. I have no idea. I don't. Scott Hastings, rather. If I, I've been out of Denver for a while, but Scott Hastings, like watching the 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 Denver Nuggets basketball people on TV on altitude, dude, they're they're the craziest homers ever, and you just can't handle it when you hear um, people who don't have a a, a homer bend uh, announcing sports. I think it might be refreshing to hear this guy say, "Boy, our point guard play really wasn't that good in the first half." Like, do you disagree with anything he said, or just are you mad that he said it because he's supposed to be? only saying things through the lens of in support of my team. I'm not upset with Gary Dolphin at all. I'm, I'm wondering what it does, knowing the intimacy between the, the radio announcing crew and the team, especially with basketball, right? Where you don't have a huge roster. Um, 
what does that do for, I guess, the the affective energy of the room? Like, does it affect anything? Do players not care? To me, that's the issue, right? I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, you're almost better off listening to ESPN announcers for a basketball game because you're going to get more insight. You're going to get a, a more honest uh, commentary. But uh, in this particular case, right, there there is a relationship. And what does, does harming that relationship do uh, long-term for, for a team? And I, I think that's, that's what Gary Barta, the, the AD at Iowa, has got to decide today in terms of how he's going to, treat and handle this situation because the interesting thing is and i was reading this this morning i, I wasn't in hawk center it wasn't chad liskowski uh ledowski i'm sorry can't pronounce his name uh correctly uh, i can't remember who it was but um like it does this affect barta or sorry does this affect gary dolphin announcing iowa's bowl game uh in it next month and so i don't know man it's it's a little it, sh- it shouldn't, right? If you think that he said something unfair or incorrect, then yeah, discipline the person or fire them or whatever. If you think everything he said is true, then I guarantee you all of these point guards who weren't playing well heard the same times 10 from their coaches at the next practice, right? Why sugarcoat everything? If it's, and, and by the way, this, this also circles back to that, you know, idea of, of selling a vision or a version of a sports culture so that you get recruits and so that you get um, alumni donations is 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 that all you want to hear is just like the the most positive rose colored glasses version of of everything about your sports teams or do you want to have it to be a little bit a little bit more a little bit more unfiltered I don't know absolutely not absolutely. and 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 listen man this is this is the stuff where and I'm going to take this you know maybe a little to to an extreme but this is the stuff where you get you know the type of fan culture where anytime their team loses it was an inside job or the refs were out to get them or they got screwed by a call and they're unwilling to be like no we lost that game mm-hmm. right does that make sense that yep. logic is reinforced by a, a sports culture of fans and announcers who think that their team is the best what sometimes it's it's better to be you know, realistic about this sort of stuff. If you're a deep cut sports fan, and I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you are, you probably read about your teams on, you know, different like sports message boards and stuff like that, where you'll find that the truest, most diehard fans are almost always their team's biggest critics. And they're super pessimistic, right? Mm -hmm. Go read diehard Red Sox fans. They're always like, man, this team sucks. We're terrible. Every move we make is the wrong move. You know, we're just sort of destined to be terrible and to, and to, you know, any success we have is going to be swamped back by bad decisions or, or whatever. Um, th- th- this is a different version. This is the more PR version of a team. And I'm, I'm not sure that it breeds like a good understanding of sports. I don't think it's, it's genuine. I don't think it's honest. I don't know. I'm okay with this. Also deep down, dude, it was like, it was a hot mic moment. It, they didn't say, they didn't mean to say it on, on TV and they apologized. So I like your take. I appreciate that. That's actually really, really strong. So Good work. Uh, I think it's a good place to leave it for today. Uh, congrats to Amani Hooker, who was the fourth Iowa defensive back in the last seven years to win uh, D-back of the year in the Big Ten. So we are now, I know you don't give a shit about that, but <laughs> Iowa, the good thing about that is they're actually producing defensive backs that are that are pro bowlers or all pro. So um, that's, that's, that's good for recruiting. Um, for us, I'm sorry, Michigan's out of it. It looks like uh, I, I hate to root for Ohio State, but I, you know, I'm a Big Ten homer, and I, I just feel bad. I told you this yesterday. I feel really bad for Northwestern this weekend. Really, really bad. <laughs> Ohio State's going to hang seventy on them. They, uh, they're going to have to. But uh, any, any closing comments? Yeah, eighteen playoff. I know, eighteen playoff. All right, buddy. Good luck at the meeting, and uh, you have a wonderful afternoon. <laughs>